Hello and welcome to Two Two Guys, a podcast about ballet hosted by ballet dancers. My name is Keelan, and today we're going to do things a little bit differently. I do have a guest. He'll be stopping by shortly, and he's going to help me with some mailbag questions. So at the end of every episode, I ask people to send in questions either to our Instagram, to our Facebook, or to our email, uh, 22guyspod at gmail.com. And I think this would be a good week to answer some questions. I've been in the middle of probably the busiest month, busiest few weeks of my life, um, in a way. It's not dance related, but it's been super busy. Um, my mother has been preparing to sell our family home. She's gonna, she's moving. And I've been volunteering to help. And I have never painted more or cleaned more or tried to build stuff more um, than I have in the last few weeks. And it's just been like nonstop. Like we all wake up, we go to work. We work until, at least for me, I usually work until 9 p.m., 10 p.m., sometimes till midnight. And so in this, this week was the final week of the final push. Um, you know, our work is mostly done, right? Because now it looks great. And we just try not to make it look any worse until it's sold. And yeah, I learned so many things in this process. Like, I learned that I can't work 12-hour days and then not have an exit strategy. So like, if I work uh, from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. And then I go, okay, I want to stop now. And then I realize, oh, I haven't made dinner. It's a mess. And all the furniture is covered in like, painting supplies I lose my mind (laughs) you know I have a little mini uh, meltdown I need to have a place to sit down and something to eat I learned how to cut tiles that was one thing I learned how to like get a saw and like cut through tile and I learned that I really like painting like painting like little edges like I would get my face like right up to the paintbrush and do little edges I didn't need to put tape down so I've been learning about myself and learning about how much I can handle and learning about what it's like to be challenged by a big project. So the day before photos, like photos are important for selling a house because you need the house to look amazing in the pictures to get people to want to come, right? And so you do photos and then like the next day, usually you'll list and then it's officially on the market. And the night before photos, we were still overwhelmed. There was like too much to do in time. And I called in some help to, to bring somebody in to help. And I realized when I brought this person in, we were going to make it. I realized we were going to hit our deadline and I took the dogs out for a walk and I felt so like happy. I felt like I made it. Like I felt like this relief because it was six weeks of preparing the house and, and six weeks is a pretty long time to be going nonstop at something. And it reminded me of a performance, how you can be in the studio for a month or two months or however long you're in the studio for. And it's all work, 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 and it's tense and it's hot. And when you finally get to the premiere, you know, and it's finally coming and the curtain is going to go up and you know, no matter what, if you feel ready or you don't feel ready, the curtain's going to go up and the premiere is going to happen. And it's a really, really nice feeling because it's like all of that work was worth it. And you can take the pressure off, right? That the steam that's been building up inside, all of the tension and pressure with our bodies, emotionally in our minds, um, socially, you know, with the people around us that relationships can get kind of strained when everybody's under that kind of pressure. When the show's actually happening and the curtain goes up, all that goes away. And, you know, you keep improving after your premiere, hopefully, but at least it's, you've emerged and all the work has been worth it. 
So that was like, I felt really happy <laughs> at that point. And now, now all that stuff is done. And now I just feel like I don't even really remember how to live. Like I don't, like I haven't had a life. And so I was thinking, okay, what are the top five things I'm looking forward to the most now that I have my life back again? So in no particular order, this is my top five, I'm excited to live a normal life things again, okay? So the first one, most obvious is I'm gonna go see some movies. We've got listeners all over the world, and so I don't know if theaters are open everywhere, but in Toronto, where I am, theaters just opened up again, and I'm so pumped. I'm gonna go see Fast and Furious. I'm gonna go see Black Widow. I'm gonna go see like literally anything. Like just have moving pictures on a screen. I'll give you $15, let me bring my own popcorn, and we're good to go. Um, I'm really excited to like work out at a normal time. Um, a couple nights ago, I didn't start working out until 11.45 p.m. So you can picture me, I, I get into my living room, lay on a towel, and just start doing like the saddest V-ups you've ever seen. And so yeah, I'm looking forward to being able to work out at a normal time and not try to squeeze it in, you know. Just me and the raccoons outside doing jumping jacks. Uh, <laughs> looking forward to that for sure. Um, I don't know about y'all, but I like a good sleep. And uh, I've been cutting corners for a while and I could feel my brain just like deteriorating. Just like, I go into the garage to get a hammer and I come out with a box of nails and it's like, what am I doing? Like, what is this? Um, four, I'm looking forward to reading again. Like I love, I've, I've gotten really into reading lately. Um, I've been reading a collection of short stories by this wonderful author, Ken Liu. And to just like bust open a great short story and read for 30 minutes and just be transported to another place. And um, I'm really excited because I've been trying something by this guy named Jim Quick. He's a brain coach. He says, if you can read 20 pages a day, every day for a year, that's basically 30 books. And I'm like, I'd like to read 30 books in a year. That sounds awesome. But uh, I've been too busy to read for a while. So that's going to happen. And the last one, I want to start properly podcasting again. As I said, so swamped, couldn't even take a pause last week. And, um, you know, I realized I'm not really good at social media. I don't feel good about social media. Promotion, marketing, selling these things, it, it just doesn't feel natural. I don't know if anybody else can relate to this, but it feels kind of weird to be using, like, say, Instagram, which is a platform that can also be used to, like, recruit Al-Qaeda but I'm using it to like post a selfie, you know? It's like, what is this? Like this is, the internet is really cool, but it's also really big and we're all connected there and it starts to feel a bit scary and a bit weird to be using it so kind of cavalier. So yeah, I need to figure that out. I'm having a real reckoning with it right now. Like I'm barely online these days and it feels good. But okay, so as mentioned, today's gonna be a mailbag episode. And so we're going to get to a bunch of questions people have sent in. I really appreciate everybody sending in questions every week, Instagram, Facebook, or email. So we're going to get to our first question here, and it's from Shayla. And the question is, who was your favorite teacher and why? My favorite teacher. Because there's some teachers you really enjoy because they're fun. And then there's some teachers you really enjoy because they're really effective, you know, and technical, right? And I guess it's like, what's more important to you? that you learn or that you're enjoying yourself. Um, so maybe the best teacher is somebody who combines both. Um, but I've always really enjoyed working with a guy named Roberto Campanella. 
Um, he was a soloist with the National Ballet of Canada. Um, he had a career before that in Europe, but he came to National Ballet of Canada as a soloist and simultaneously started teaching at the school. And I was in his one of his first classes when he joined. And he was, he's awesome. He has a company now in Toronto called Pro Arte, and they're amazing, really amazing contemporary stuff. And his, his, sta his style is he's really fun. Like he's really, really funny and super loose, right? And so he's the kind of guy who'd uh, kind of make jokes throughout the whole class. So I always loved that. And when I teach, I try to be, I try to be helpful. I try to be really honest and really direct and supportive, um, but I also try to be funny either making fun of myself or making fun of something, making fun of them, just trying to keep it light. Uh, and if that means I got to make fun of myself to make them laugh, like I might do it. But um, I, I do try to keep it really, really light in class. So I'd say Roberto Campanella is one of my favorite teachers. And it's because he's like, he knows how to make people laugh. And sometimes when you're doing your uh, 95th tondu on a Wednesday afternoon and you really just want to be somewhere else, having a teacher that can make you laugh is important. All right, so I'm going to bring in my special guest for this next question. Arlo, how's it going? Welcome to the show. You are our first four-legged guest. How's that feel? Ooh. Right. So this next question is from Xander, and the question is, what is your diet? So I'll do mine first, and then you can do yours. So my diet's, like, pretty open. Um, I, I do... I think I've mentioned this before, but I do intermittent fasting. So that just means I have like a, a bigger window of the day where I'm not eating than the window where I am eating. So maybe my last food will be at 11 p.m., but my first meal won't be until 2 p.m. the next day, um, something like that. And I really like it. I was reading about it. I was hearing different people talking about it and um, espousing the health benefits. And so I thought, okay, I'll try it. And I wasn't sure if it would work with a performing regimen. You know, like if you're off, it's easier to try something. But once you're back to working all day, I didn't know if I could handle it. But I love it. Um, I used to spend like 40 minutes cooking breakfast every day. And it would be eggs and bacon and vegetables and waffles and pancakes. And, and then eating, it takes like 30 minutes. And so that's like, you know, cooking, eating and cleaning would take like an hour, hour and a half every morning. Now I can just spend that time sleeping, you know? So uh, I, really, I really like that. Um, I've gone vegetarian in the last year. I've been vegetarian for almost a year now. Um, and that feels really good too. It feels simple. And then, yeah, I just I do a lot of yogurt, granola, nuts, uh, dried fruit, berries, things like that. Uh, I love a good yogurt. Um, I eat peanut butter on a lot of stuff. Because to buy almond butter, I think you need to have like a trust fund or whatever. It's all really expensive, but get all natural peanut butter a lot. I do like pancakes a lot still. I do pancakes pretty regularly. Um, a lot of stir fries. I've gotten really into instant noodles, but this is just me talking about all the food that I want to be eating right now. I like to bake chocolate chip cookies a lot. And some people in my life will just keep pestering me like, hey, when are you going to bake more cookies, bake more cookies? And so... That keeps me baking cookies. Um, yeah, how about you, buddy? What do you eat? Yeah, you just eat everything, huh? What are your favorite foods? You like apple? You love cantaloupe? I know you had some hamburger yesterday. That was pretty good, yeah? Anything you don't like eating? 
Mm. Yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. Okay, our next question is from Charlene. Do people ever bother you about your hair length? So, I don't know if that's specifically referencing how long my hair is right now, but if it is, absolutely. Um, I haven't had a haircut in over a year. If I was dancing in the company right now, I'd probably be fired. Um, but, uh, but yeah, my, in my second season when I was in Alberta Ballet, I came back uh, to start that season with pretty long hair. It was like I had let it grow all season, and I came back after the summer, and it was super long. And randomly, um, the director, Jean, he just came in and saw me and said, Keelan, you need to cut your hair right away. It looks like a mop on your head. And I was like, aside from being probably slightly offended, I was like, oh, okay, that's well, pretty bad timing because the very next day we had our headshots. So the company headshots were the very next day. And I don't know about you, but whenever I get a haircut, I don't feel good about it for like at least a week, right? At least back then, that's how it was. And maybe because I didn't know how to tell the hair person how to do my hair, I don't know. But I got a really, really short haircut and then had to take pictures the very next day. And I was like, not happy with that. So you will never see any record of that headshot anywhere. I didn't save it. I don't have a file saved of that headshot anywhere. Um, happy to let that one disappear. What about you, man? If I'm not mistaken, you just got a haircut a couple days ago and it looks pretty janky. How do you feel about that? <sighs> yeah. Oh, hey, it'll grow back. And you're still beautiful on the inside. Okay, this question is from Karina. Do you think you have a good body for dance? And if you don't think so, what do you do about it? All right, well, I'm definitely looking forward to Arlo's response. I'm going to let you think about it a little bit, and I'm going to answer first. Um, that's the thing about ballet. Like, every ballet dancer, even the very best ones, even the ones you think are perfect, if you ask them what do they think about their body, they're going to have a long list of things that are not perfect, things they want to get better, things they actively try to hide. And that's kind of a cool thing about it, and it's really humbling to know that even the superstars, and I won't go into any names right now, but even the superstars have to get in the studio by themselves and figure out how do they make their arabesque look nice, how do they cheat this line, um, how do they hide that their feet aren't so good, like whatever it might be. Where we all have that, so it's kind of a great equalizer. That said, some people are just naturally genetically closer to the ballet standard and so that helps them in their career but so for anybody who's concerned that their body isn't good enough or isn't where it needs to be just know that like you're not alone and try to approach it I would say really um, constructively and really creatively so for example they talk about turnout and how you can't be a ballet dancer if you don't have flat turnout I personally know multiple people who if they were to sit um, in you know butterfly like with their heels together in front of them and their knees to the side that they're way up right people who have very little functional turnout in their hips but they use they use all that they have and they know their lines they know what angles to use and they find tricks and ways to make it work right um, my feet aren't great you probably wouldn't notice watching me dance because that's not where you're looking right I know some people who have feet that are so far from the ballet standard, but they're really dynamic movers and they're really, really expressive in their upper body and the audience is usually looking at your upper body anyways. So it's not so important, these little details, right? Um, now, Arlo, on the other hand, actually has a pretty amazing body for ballet. 
Maybe I can I can post some picks, but he's got a nice arabesque. I've checked. He's got really good turnout in his bottom legs. The front two, not so much, but it's more the back ones that need to have turnout. He's got crazy hyperextension. Like, all dogs have crazy hyperextension. Um, and he's got really nice feet. Like, their feet just bend, like, so well. So if he wanted to, I think he could be a really good dancer. What do you think? But you know it's not going to work, though, is you're always on all fours. Like, you never stand up. And your port de bras would be terrible. Because <laughs> you don't, like, because your front leg's, like, not so expressive, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think you're going to make it as a dancer, man. How old are you now? Two and a half? Yeah, you're almost three. You're getting kind of old, too. All right, next question. Next question is from Jeremiah, and he asks, can you talk a little bit about balance? I'm having a hard time finding my balance at the bar. I'm going to go into this deeper with a guest we have coming up, but I think balance is a combination between surrender and action, right? If you just surrender, then you collapse and you fall to the floor. But if it's just action and you're just trying to like muscle it and grip it, you're trying to balance through force, right? And balance and force, you just think of them as concepts. They don't really go hand in hand, right? They're, if you've ever been on the beach and you've encountered these like rock formations that people make where somebody's found this way to balance these huge rocks on top of each other in this wild pattern, but they found the perfect balance point, you look at that and go, okay, there's no force involved. It's all just natural, right? Like this person has found the perfect balance point with these different stones. Like the stones obviously aren't doing any work, right? They're just chilling. They're just being. And that's because the person who's set it up has found the point where these stones can all just surrender, right? They're just perfectly on balance and there's no effort required. But as dancers with our bodies, because we have positions that are important and we want to be on a high releve and we have port de bras we need to be able to adjust, there's obviously effort required. So I would say for anybody struggling with balance, what I've learned, the balance is already inside you. Like the natural structural, like the structure that your body needs to balance is already there. It's almost like when you're trying to level something off because you're going to hang a painting. You're not trying to make level, you're finding level, right? It's already there. You just need to adjust your measuring tool until you find it. That's the same thing with balance. Your body already has its innate ability to balance within it. So you're trying to find it. So if as you play with it, really emphasize the play f f portion, right? Don't get too tense. Don't get too stiff. Remember to keep breathing and trust that if you surrender to the balance and you keep finding the little things you do need to be holding, right? Where do you need to place your weight, hold your energy, all these things, but you make a game of it, you'll be all right. You'll eventually get it. Um, it'll certainly improve faster than if you're tense about it, which I can tell you as somebody who's really good at holding his breath when he shouldn't, don't, don't practice that version because it's not going to get you very far. So my question for you, Arlo, is do you think you could balance better on two legs than I could balance on one leg? Look, okay, that's a fair point. I've had a lot more practice on one leg than you have on two legs. So I guess, yeah, you're right. That's not a fair question to ask. My bad. Uh, okay, the next question is from Tristan. As in Tristan and Isolde. Now, these questions don't have to be ballet related. 
it's all good. Uh, this this question from Tristan is, what's your favorite car? I don't really have a favorite car. Um, if somebody wanted to give me a car, I wouldn't be like, sorry, man, not a fan of Chrysler's, you know? But uh, uh, when I can tell you, um, when I was in ballet school, there was a bunch of guys around one day and we were all talking about our dream cars, right? And at the time, I think I said my dream car was an Audi TT Roadster. I thought, those, I thought those were really cute back then. And I still do, if anybody has a spare one lying around. Um, but uh, we were all going through our favorite cars and dream cars. And some guys like, oh, I want to get a Mercedes. Oh, I want to get a Jaguar. I want to get a McLaren. And then my friend Ilya was like, uh, yeah, my favorite car is a Dodge Caravan. And we were all like, Dude, what? Do you know what that is? Like, and he was like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a really sensible family car. Uh, it's good if you have a couple kids, you know, you can fit a whole family in there. And we were all just like flabbergasted. So we're like 13 years old. Like, dude, you're, you're missing the point of the game here. Um, we're not trying to be sensible, man. Uh, but uh, shout out to Ilya, who probably is the only one who can afford his dream car right now out of all of us. So shout out to Ilya for keeping his expectations realistic. Um, now, Arlo, I hope you don't mind me telling people, you get super car sick. What's it like? What's it like being in the car for you? That sounds brutal, man. That sounds really brutal. Next question is from, forgive me if I'm pronouncing this wrong, Iona? Iona? Not sure. So, like, nice name, though. Either way, that's a beautiful name. The question is, who's your favorite dancer? That's a tough one. Um... I was in ballet school before YouTube became like a real thing, right? Like I was there at the beginning of ballet videos on YouTube becoming a real thing. And there's probably a point where I had seen most of them that were online, you know, cause I would just watch ballet videos like all day. And when I found I gravitated towards, when I was younger, I just wanted like, can you do eight pirouettes, right? Can you do a triple tour? Like these things really blew me away. And it's changed over the years. I really appreciate like details a lot more which is maybe kind of cliche, you know, that like the longer you're doing something, the more you appreciate the details. But the one thing that's kind of stayed true forever for me is a dancer like Rolando Sarabia, uh, the cleanliness that's a part of that, you know, like that at the core of his dancing is like everything is so clean, right? Everything looks like, like so regal, right? And so just like easy. Like it looks like when he finishes a variation, He's probably not even out of breath because it not like not a single muscle was out of place. So his style, so like like especially young Sarabia, if you watch, you can probably find it on YouTube now. If you find videos of him at Jackson at the competition in Jackson, Mississippi, um, I think he was like 15, 16, and he's dancing better than most most principals now. Like he was better at 15 than most people are ever, and uh, you can hear the crowd go crazy for him. Like once they you know. Once it's like the second day, third day of competing, and they know who he is, he just walks on stage and they just lose their mind. Um, so I always loved his dancing. Um, somebody like Serafanov, Leonid Serafanov, uh, same thing. Like the guy just looks like he's in a trance and everything is so clean. And, and my goal is just to look a little bit like that when I dance. Like if I could ever do a show that you got confused and thought, oh, was that Serafanov performing? I would, you know die and go to heaven immediately, right? Um, yeah, how about you, man? Favorite dancer? No, oh, you can't say Lassie, bro. Lassie's a dog. 
She's not really dancing. You just don't, you don't really get. No, you don't get the difference. All right, fine. Um, okay, well, this isn't going to be a good question. What's your favorite dance film? Uh, this is a good question. Um, there's some really good ones, some real heavy hitters. Uh, Center Stage is like the obvious, like OG, right? Like I grew up with that. The first date I ever went on, actually, I was 11 years old, and it was my girlfriend. It was my girlfriend. She's she was turning 12, and uh, older woman. I know she was a whole uh, three months older than me, um, and and we went to see Center Stage for her birthday, and it's a really good movie, straight up. Um, another really good one is Mao's Last Dancer. That's a really really amazing, amazing story of Lee Kunshin. It's a true story. Uh, the dancer who came from China and became a star in Houston Ballet and an amazing movie and the dancing is phenomenal uh, obviously Dirty Dancing is legendary but it's not ballet but it's really good and uh, I've been you know people love like the, the Dirty Dancing lift right like the big uh, press lift on the hips and it's actually kind of a hard lift like it's tricky because you got to go lower on the girl than you think and for the girl, she's got to be, like, way over your head. Like, you know, she's way past you. So, like, if it were the other way around and I was the one being lifted, I don't know if I'd ever feel comfortable doing that lift. But uh, that's a pretty cool lift. And I've, I actually did a Dirty Dancing, like, pas de deux, uh, for for a little while. And when the audience knew, like, when the song crescendos and the audience knows what's about to happen with that lift, uh, you can hear, like, a hum over the audience. They get so super excited. Like, oh, he's going to do the lift. I'm going to do the lift. Um, so that's a good one. And uh, Footloose is good, obviously. The the remake, I would say, is underrated. The Footloose remake is underrated. But there are, like, so many good ballet movies. Um, and so, you know, we'll cover those more in, in another episode. But uh, if I had to pick, like, one, Center Stage, for sure. Like, I know most of the words to that movie. What about you, Arlo? I know you watch TV sometimes. What do you? What? What is your favorite? <laughs> Lassie doesn't dance. How is that? A, how is that a dance movie? All right, we'll give you a pass on that because I don't know. I guess it's your first time on the podcast, and we want to be nice. Okay, last question here is from Karen. What's something you wish you'd figured out sooner? That's such a good question, actually. I would say, honestly, I think I wish I had learned sooner to let things come at their own pace. It, it so quickly can veer off into cliche, and so we kind of tune out because it sounds cliche, but really, trying to force something in the moment means that in the moment it probably isn't going to work, right? Like, trying to force four pirouettes every time makes for a bad pirouette because you're forcing it, right? And if it's a bad four and maybe one out of every five times it works, and even that's generous, it's probably more like one out of every 10 times it works, then I'm not really improving because I'm still just trying to force something that isn't there yet. But if I could instead go, you know what? I'm just going to figure out where I'm at and try to figure out what is balance. What is consistency? What does a passe position actually feel like on releve? What can I do to stay on balance at the end of it, right? To actually have some ownership over what I'm doing. Then within a month, I'm probably feeling a lot different. And in two months, it's really noticeable. 
and six months or a year later, I'm a different turner now. But it's because I, you have to give in to where you're at, right? Like wherever you, wherever you're starting from, there you are. Like the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. So, like your journey forward will always start right where you are, and you can't be somewhere else. And, you know, I guess I wish I had learned that sooner. You know, like I learned it as I did, so I, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it if I could go back. Like the way things worked out for me is is the way they worked out, and that's okay. But it's definitely something that if I were to see, you know, if I could coach somebody like me, uh, I would really, really, really strongly recommend just you know, chill out, chill out, chill out. Work hard, but accept where you are. Don't try to be somewhere else. You can be a late bloomer. It's fine. Just because the person beside you is doing something different or has higher legs or better balance or more flexible or taller or whatever seems more confident. Like all these things come in time and everything takes time. Life isn't as quick as we want it to be sometimes. Usually it takes longer. So, but it will come, you know, it will come. All things come in time. It does get better. So, um, I know it's a bit long winded. What do you think, man? Do you got a a quick snappy answer? Oh, I just realized nobody knows what you're saying. Oh. Um, all right, well, that is the end of our questions. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Arlo, for being here. Thank you for being the first dog on the pod. Uh, thank you, everybody, for sending in these questions. Lovely, lovely, lovely questions. Really thoughtful. Please send in more. 22guyspod at gmail.com. Uh, it can be about dance or really it can be about anything and we can have a nice chat. Uh, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at 22guys. Respect your mental health. Respect your boundaries. Respect your limits. Don't forget to sleep or read or see a movie or work out or whatever you need to just chill and ground yourself. And I hope you have a nice week. Arlo, anything you want to say? <laughs> okay. Bye, everyone. Do you have a sense of belonging anywhere? Dance. Just dance. Dance.